Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters. The remnant. Thank you. Merry Christmas. We appreciate you guys tuning in and can't wait to uh, talk about some of these issues today. Actually, that's, that's an exaggeration. I can wait. I wish we didn't have to address some of this stuff. But this is one of the venues that we get to do that. Thank God for our religious freedoms and for free speech here in America and so far as long as we have it in, on the airwaves here through Stand Up For The Truth and Q90FM. Father, thank you for that very uh, uh, special privilege that not a lot of countries have, the freedom to talk about things that really matter in terms of eternity, um, religious freedom, our faith, Christianity, and God. We need you to um, come back, get back into our church. Actually, we need you to come back. We're looking forward to your return, the return of the King. That's what this season reminds us of, your birth, the Word became flesh, and thank you for being born a Savior, Christ the Lord, in that city of David, the seed of David, the Messiah. And we thank you, God, for your promises and for giving us all that we need to sustain us one day at a time right now. We love you, Lord. We ask that you'd increase our faith, comfort those who are hurting, heal those who are sick, and touch those, our family members in Christ, who are struggling with any kind of fear or anxiety. And thank you for reminding us, Lord, to fear not, because we trust in an amazing, powerful, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We are blessed to have back with us today Jelaine Appling of the Wisconsin Family Council. And Jelaine, thank you so much for uh, doing one more podcast here before the year wraps up. Oh, David, this is an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a great year. And my goodness, it's been a while since I've been with you. But, yes. you know, uh, hey to all of our listeners, to all my friends there at Q90, Merry Christmas. What an incredible time of year. <laughs> yes. Loved your prayer, David. Oh, it reminds us of, of the truth. That this is a glorious time for us to celebrate. Mm -hmm. The truth that we know has set us free. Jesus said that. If you abide in me, and my word, and you know the truth, that truth will set you free. And Christians, let's get into his word because it is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Before we get into some of the things, good things, I believe you are doing through Wisconsin Family Council, I just want to be honest with you, Jelaine, and our listeners, that I've been battle-weary lately. It has been potentially overwhelming. Um, a lot of people for their jobs don't need to go through headlines and look at what's happening in the church regarding false teachings and apostasy and social justice movements, and they don't have to look at culture and, and uh, just the attacks that are coming against both um, the country and the church. But I just want to go through some of the headlines just to give our listeners an idea of, of my typical morning. Um, just looking at some of the headlines, there are some fairly good neutral headlines. The House and the Senate passed the stimulus bill. We can talk about that or not. Um, I'm thinking, you know, they passed this bill. I guess people are going to get uh, $600 or something. I'm thinking, what about <laughs> some people have been unemployed for a while? Some people lost their businesses. Uh, their families are hurting, and, and Congress never missed it. They get every dime that they had coming to them. They never go without pay. Uh, but yet, you know, $600. I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess, but I have a lot of thoughts on that. New York City elite private school creates an, an insulting, racist, um, these anti-white demands. It is racism, what they're starting to teach in some of our schools. And it seems like everything's against, um, well, our founders and white people. It's just so sad that this is happening under our watch. California politics led to $2 billion in unemployment fraud. Uh, there's a poll in Georgia. I don't even want to get into that, um, but we can. Uh, Pelosi claims that faith-oriented congressmen say they don't believe in science, and who, who's going to believe Pelosi, right? Um, here's what we're going to touch on. Oh, by the way, California governor and a few other blue state governors say they are likely going to extend stay-at-home orders. Um, two things. Bear the aspirin. Hey, they help us when we're in pain, but they're giving $80,000 to Planned Parenthood. 
We also may address some concerned uh, vaccine, some concern about the vaccine that is a product of abortion. Julaine and I will get into these things, but I want to talk about, and you can come back to any one of those, Julaine, but I want to talk about what you have been doing with the Wisconsin Family Council and starting with um, helping increase the conservative majority in the state Senate. Would you like to touch on any one of these things that you sent out? Because I want to go through the list here. Sure. Thanks, David. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to always comment on, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> real quick comment on the bear, uh, the bear pharmaceutical issue. Isn't it ironic that at a time when most of the world is pausing to celebrate the birth of a baby, the abortion advocates and big pharma are working to keep babies from even being conceived? How ironic. Yes. How wrong. Yes. Well, you know, um, our mission, David, as you know, encompasses four main uh, areas, marriage. And, and, and I usually put it this way, God's plan for marriage and family, the sanctity of human life and religious freedom. And we work to strengthen, preserve and promote uh, in those four, not social areas, those four foundational um, core areas. And so when you when you look at our what we call the kind of our top 10 accomplishments from this last year, they kind of funk, they kind of gather around that. And so when we say we helped increase the majority in our state legislature and both the, uh, well, we held a conservative majority in the assembly and increase it in the Senate in our state. Um, I, I, I say that because we really helped on uh, get out the vote efforts. Mm-hmm. We did endorse through our Wisconsin Family Action Pack. We endorsed some good, strong candidates, most yes. several of those won in both the assembly races and the Senate. And um, But also because we reached out to people in the churches, people all across the state in massive numbers, David, on one project alone, just one, we touched over 500,000 individual voters. Wow. Our collective touch in that product and that project, for instance, now that does, this is multiple touches to the same people on this next number, mm-hmm. but it was over 2 million contacts. Mm. So you can't tell mm-hmm. me we didn't have a significant role in pushing people to the polls in this yes. state, you know, and we know they were conservative people. They just weren't faithful voters. So we were really pushing on that. So that's how that happened. And, and, you know, so why is that important? Because even with Tony Evers as a liberal Democrat in the governor's office, we still need people in our state legislature, number one, to push back against liberal ideas that if the liberals were in charge of our state legislature, they would have already passed last session and Governor Evers would have signed it. So uh, and the same thing, by the way, at the at the federal level. Um, my opinion is the last bastion of pushback that we have against very liberal ideas coming out of the U.S. House and should Biden actually be inaugurated on <laughs> January 20th. And um, I believe it will quickly become a Harris administration. The only pushback there would be is through a conservative U.S. Senate. And so that's the same thing here in Wisconsin. We need that. Number two, we need to keep generating ideas that strengthen, preserve, and promote marriage and family, the sanctity of human life, and religious freedom in our state. And that happens when you have conservative um, people in our state legislature. So, yeah, that was that was one of the things that we always work on. We work on it not for the political side of it, but because policy matters. Policy mm-hmm. really does matter. Yep. Oh, and by the way, the, the corollary to that, people are policy. Yeah. So it matters who gets elected. Exactly. Hey, Julaine, just out of curiosity, I'm sure you're familiar with the other states around the country and how many states have a strong uh, family council or family pro-family, pro-life organization like the Wisconsin Family Council. I know Illinois has one. Michigan, I think, has one. I'm not familiar with, oh, yeah. with the states across the country. Do most states have these strong organizations or no? Yeah, actually, they do. Um, in the fact, in the Family Policy Council movement, which is somewhat, uh, somewhat, you know, official, if you will, uh, there are almost forty states that have organizations like ours, hmm. and uh, you know, they're most of them are independent. We're an independent agency. Um, you know, thirty-two of them are independent. There's six or seven of them that are under the umbrella of Family Policy Alliance, and um, so there's others like uh, Illinois that operate independently as well. So, you know, there's states, there's a few states where we don't have this. I don't think there's anything in Oregon right now, for instance, there's nothing in Nevada. Uh, but but for the most part, we're, we're gaining, we're gaining ground and have organizations like ours that basically we all do the same thing, but we do it uniquely within our states. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's go on to a couple other things that you guys are doing and have done throughout this year. And um, I just am so thankful for all the work you do. I see the emails. I get the newsletters. I physically get the mail um, with everything that you're putting out and your get-out-the-vote efforts. And just if, if only—and this is one of our only, in my opinion, other than our hope in Jesus Christ— to preserve American liberty and our religious freedoms and all the things that we have in our Constitution and our way of life, our only hope is to get more people of faith to the polls and vote because the massive uh, cha- the voter fraud, whatever you, however you want to describe that, that is it's been in every election. This has been it just unprecedented, and that's not going to change. So if we can get a few more million, and it, and we're talking about twenty-five to fifty million Christians, professing Christians, do not vote right now. If we can get just a couple million more Christians, these elections wouldn't even be close. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree with you, David. You know, if you take those numbers and you you extrapolate those, or better said, interpolate those into Wisconsin, (laughs) you know, um, look— um, if if these numbers hold, Biden wins here by what twenty less than twenty one thousand votes, um, just the same number that Trump won by. And how ironic, by the way, yeah. um, in twenty sixteen. Uh, th- don't tell me that there aren't that many Christians in this state who didn't uh, take time to go vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's an important thing for us to to talk about right now. I think, David, you you said that you know you kind of feel battle weary. I think everybody feels a little battle weary right now. Yes. You and I feel it on a different level because yeah. we get these things in our email constantly, yes. text messages, oh. emails, phone calls. And, and and we we do feel beleaguered at points. But but none of us can afford to say it doesn't matter. I don't need to deal with it. I can't I I just am going to ignore it. It won't hurt me. It won't touch me. It's touching every aspect of our lives. These folks have told us how we're going to run our churches, how we're going to do communion, whether we're going to do songbooks. You know, I mean, they have in the government and the the big foot of government has just gone everywhere and and we're all feeling Kind of like I think maybe the Jewish people did at the time of Christ's coming with the with the Roman oppression. The heavy boot of government is on our neck, mm-hmm. and and the the worst thing we can do is to say, "I'm just going to bury my head. I'm going to be an ostrich. I'm just going to do my little thing here with my family or just me or whatever it is," and ignore it. That is not responsible Christian stewardship. That. Stewardship begins in Genesis, and it ends, by the way, in Revelation 22, 21. <laughs> we can't escape it. And being a good steward of the form of government that God has blessed us with is also a part of that. And David, you're right. Look, uh, I think we need to get to the bottom of this fraud. I'm very unhappy that the courts have not yet let the evidence be presented. They have ruled on procedural matters and made decisions based on standing and timing and jurisdiction and all of that. I frankly think that they've been intimidated and they're very fearful. Jim Troopas from Wisconsin said that in a congressional hearing just uh, last Friday that our U.S. Senator, Wisconsin U.S. Senator Ron Johnson was chairing. And I think we have to get to the bottom of it because I do have a concern that if we don't get to the bottom of this fraud, that we will never again see a really fair and free, meaningful election. But that doesn't mean we as Christians don't do our dead level best Mm -hmm. to make a difference in who holds office in our state, in our counties, in our cities, in our towns, villages, and certainly in our country. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Let's move on to a couple other things, uh, Jelaine. Uh, what is Lead Wisconsin? Ah, Lead Wisconsin. I'm so glad you <clears throat> asked. <laughs> this is an exciting program. I have longed for, you know, I've been doing this work now for a little over 23 years. And for most of those 23 years, I've longed for something that we could do in a formalized way for the next generation. And so um, uh, in Michigan, there's a group called Student Statesmanship Institute. Uh, Student Statement, yeah, I guess right. Student Statementship Institute started by my friend James Muffet about 25 years ago. They do, uh, they 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 birth this idea. They call their camp Lead Wisconsin. It's a biblical worldview camp for for teenagers that is built on a civics platform. David, 
We're going to bring them in to, we're going to host it at the campus of Maranatha Baptist University in Watertown, Wisconsin. They'll come for a week. We tried to go in person last year. We had to go virtual because of COVID, obviously, but we're planning to go in person this year. Host it there. Why in Watertown? Because we need to get to the Capitol. Mm -hmm. Two days that week, we'll be going to the Capitol, not just for a tour, if we can do that, but we will actually be conducting public hearings with these kids being representatives and uh, studying bills and getting understanding the issues, taking a pro proposition and a composition. Each group will have two bills, one they support, one they oppose. By Friday, um, if everything goes right, they'll be standing up on the floor of the state assembly or state senate. I hope that wow. works out. Um, <clears throat> And, and giving speeches. I, I actually saw this working. I had to go spend a week in Michigan, uh, summer of 2019, before we could get into this program, David. It was phenomenal. Now, I've, I've worked with young people all my life. I'm a, I'm a teacher by education, training, and gifting. And so I the next generations have always been important to me. And they, these kids blew me away. I thought I had high expectations for teenagers. What I saw happen in one week was astounding. Mm. And so we did it virtually, and we have this dynamite director that we've hired, Sherilyn Nichols. Look, folks, go to Lead Wisconsin. Uh, excuse me, leadwi.org, leadwi.org. Get a feel for this thing. It, we have, and, and don't let the prize scare you because we are offering scholarships, full ride scholarships, partial ride scholarships based on financial need. And um, we, we want kids to come. We think it's just going to be an amazing week of opportunity building in biblical worldview. We're bringing in um, speakers to address things. It's, I don't know. I, I think it's one of the best things we've ever done, David. Mm, that's neat. Um, let's just get a couple more before we have to take our first break. Julaine, you have a church ambassador network. Tell us, because most Christians that are listening right now go, well, how are you helping get Christians informed and engaged? And you served over 700 Wisconsin churches. Tell us about that. Well, David, look, I, I am a firm believer that the local church is God's plan for today. It, it, you know, it, it, it's the heart of the gospel. It's where we go to get our training. And the, the, what's the role of a pastor? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, yes. right? And so our role through the Church Ambassador Network is to come alongside pastors and encourage them and serve them with resources on the issues of the day, um, election-related, educational re election-related materials that encourage people to understand their role as a biblical a biblical steward of, of our citizenship here in this country, to help them know um, how to answer some of the things that are going on. We're not trying to usurp or push or, you know, um, deride or anything. We just want to encourage them. And the other thing, though, that is so central to the Church Ambassador Network is we believe pastors should and could have a phenomenal um, evangelistic ministry to elected officials. And we are pleading with pastors to come to Madison and just not not for policy and not for political purposes, but just visit with their elected officials, their senator, their representative, and and pray with them, encourage them, talk to them, earn the right to share the gospel. Uh, do, do elected officials need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Yes, oh, that's for sure. It's, it's a need of every human heart. So mm -hmm. that's what Church Ambassador Network is all about. That's neat. Um, well, we when one more. This really caught my eye, and I'm skeptical. It says you've helped hold Governor Evers accountable, and I want to know how, because I didn't think there was any accountability for liberal Democrats, because there's certainly none <laughs> with the media. So how are you? able to do anything about, and sometimes our own representatives don't hold the governor accountable. But go ahead. We've got like a minute okay. and a half here. Flashback. <laughs> um, Easter weekend of this of this year, Governor Evers put out a, a, an edict and the health, the county health departments and city health par departments played along saying you can't even do drive-in services for Easter Sunday or for Good Friday. And we immediately contacted constitutional attorneys and they got busy. They wrote letters. We wrote letters and, and they, they helped us get all that done. We fired it off to Governor Evers and within hours, he backed away from that policy hmm. within hours. And then we followed it up with a petition. In two weeks, we had almost 10,000 people sign a petition asking the governor to stand down from some of this foolishness. Now, I'm sure he, he ignored the some of that, a lot of that petition, but he, if you notice, he hasn't come back for churches yet. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what happens as we, uh, evidently we're free to celebrate Christmas here in Wisconsin. Some states <laughs> but are only with your family. Yes. Yeah. Some states aren't that fortunate. 
Well, we've been talking about some of those mandates that started before Thanksgiving and then some of those ridiculous ordinances they were suggesting when it comes to celebrating with your family. We've got a lot more to cover here with Jelaine Appling. Uh, We're going to talk about the new vaccines that are coming out and what's in them and a whole lot more next on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. All right, Julian Appling is our guest, Wisconsin Family Council, and let's jump into the COVID vaccine to mandate or not to mandate, to take it or not to take it, a big question and controversy among Christians. Jelaine, um, one article I have here says that most COVID-19 vaccines do not use fetal cells for production. Um, what is the difference between fetal cells and fetal tissue? And, and Nothing, can, really. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the, our concerns, our honest concerns about some of these, these vaccines they're putting out? Well, well, look, um, this is not new to the COVID vaccine about using any, well, we, we just call it the body parts, which would include tissue or cells or anything, okay, from, the, from babies that are aborted. This is not new. Vaccines have uh, manufacturers and scientists doing the research for them have, have long said that this is what they need to do. Our scientists, our pro-life scientists who have pedigrees equal to or superior to uh, many of the people who work in these uh, you know, vaccine research areas tell us that there are alternatives, that you don't have to use the body parts of aborted babies to do this. Mm. And, and, and by the way, let me connect the dots there. One of the reasons that we, we draw that moral line, that ethical line, is that there is a legitimate concern that there could be a greater call for the bodies of aborted babies, which could then push towards more abortions happening mm. because sometimes, not always, but sometimes there is a, a monetary, you know, well, we all saw those videos, yep. uh, what, three or four years ago where, you know, the, the Planned Parenthood is all too willing to sell those babies sure. and those body parts. Sure. So that that's the connection. So on the COVID virus, um, I would commend to everyone uh, the Charlotte Lozier Institute. It's an arm of the Susan B. Anthony list. They're strong pro-life people. Um, there happens to be a friend of mine who is working in the Charlotte Lozier Institute who is from Michigan or Wisconsin, based in Wisconsin, strong pro-life researcher, medical researcher. And um, they have put together a chart showing the various pharmaceutical companies who are doing this COVID vaccine. And they show you whether they use the a, the aborted baby body parts in production or and or testing. Right now, you can find that on our website at wifamilycouncil.org. Wifamilycouncil.org, and you can um, then you can see David. You are exactly right. They don't always use it in um, production, but a number of the pharmaceutical companies have chosen to use the body parts or cells or tissue of aborted babies. In some tests yes. that they have run to a, to to determine effectiveness and efficiency, effective, you know, if all of that efficacy and all of that, um, and so that shows up on that chart. And I think it's very helpful for pro-life Christians who who understand the sanctity of human life um, to be able to make a a deliberate, wise choice if they decide that they want to do the vaccine. So at least be knowledgeable about it. Yes. And, 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 you know, check with your conscience, pray, ask the Lord to oh, guide Lord. you. And yeah. thank you to the Institute for putting this together for us. I appreciate it greatly. Yes, I'm looking at that chart right now, that, that analysis of vaccine uh, candidates uh, that received Operation Warp Speed funding. And, you know, most people are familiar with Pfizer and Moderna because those are ones that have been mentioned in the public uh, most. And th- both of those, it looks like, do not... Uh, put them in the production of the vaccine as far as the development goes. Um, but I want to go to Lila Rose here. A very strong statement she put out. We cannot accept a COVID-19 vaccine that was developed using the bodies of aborted babies. There are many ethical modern alternatives. Use those. And so I just interesting just to find out, remind me who she was with live action. Uh, I just right. kind of searched her under DuckDuckGo, 
which I don't, I try not to use Google anymore. And it came up, Lila Rose is an American anti-abortion activist who is the founder and president of the anti-abortion organization Live Action. I'm going, man, they, that's who they'll put out. I, you know, I mean, this is just what the, the general public and the media think of her. But your thoughts on someone, I believe she is Catholic, but Christians, Catholics, a lot of us, um, the consci- it is a conscience issue, and we do not want—some of us won't take vaccines anyway— but some of us will say, well, I want to know what's in it. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Because it may be coming down the road that these vaccines or a vaccine might be forced upon us, meaning mandated. What do you see happening? Well, well, look, first of all, they make a very clear declaration. Wisconsin Family Council and Wisconsin Family Action do not take a position on whether an individual should or shouldn't take a vaccine. We think that's an individual decision. However, We will always stand strong on religious freedom and personal freedom, and we believe a mandate that forces people to do anything yeah, to do mm-hmm. anything is it's violating those individual freedoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know what? So here's the deal. I, I told you before, David. I've resisted being a conspiracy theorist for all my adult life until this and, year. <laughs> until this year. <laughs> and now they have a died. I am a died in the wall. <laughs> because when you look at this, you see this COVID situation being used as a tool yep. to promote socialism, yep. control. I mean, it's control and fear, which sets a stage for them coming in to say, oh, government is the answer to everything. Listen, government isn't the good, isn't a good or even or certainly not the best answer to hardly any question mm. that you can ask. That's right. Okay. And, and so, but they're setting the stage. So now they're saying, oh, government's going to insist you have a, 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 a vaccine, a COVID vaccine. Was, New York's already introduced a bill that would do this to certain segments of society. They're trampling on our individual freedoms and our religious freedom. And and we think there should always be recognized enforceable exemptions on something like this. Wisconsin has three exemptions on vaccines. We have medical, religious, and uh, what they call philosophical, and we call it personal conviction. 95% of the time, people choose that personal conviction if they choose not to do a vaccine for themselves or their children. That Those, those should still exist, even when we're talking about COVID. You don't trample on um, constitutionally guaranteed, specifically identified rights in a constitution for because of fear you don't set the constitution aside because you have a virus crisis That's right and so we think people need to be very very careful about this you need to be informed about what your options are you need to listen to the language if they start talking about a mandate and you certainly need to be looking at the composition of the vaccine should you decide you want to take it so that you know whether or not you can do that with a clear conscience before the lord respecting the sanctity of human life mm. Exemptions, and it is. I, we've got listeners, from what I understand, in about 33 different states around the country. From time to time, they tune in or they definitely sure. s- support us, and I'm so thankful for you guys. So a shout-out to those who are streaming and getting our podcasts across the country. And check with your state, because it is a state-by-state issue when it comes to exemptions for mandate, like a mandated vaccine. Is, am I correct in saying it, putting it that way? Oh, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and David, we want it to remain a yes. state issue. There's been talk over the last year, year and a half, and maybe a little bit more, at a serious talk at the federal level, about uh, because people were getting panic stricken by the measles outbreak and all that kind of thing. And so the federal government, of course, always willing to step into any kind of void they perceive uh, or crisis, had a series of hearings about mandating at the federal level Hmm. some of these vaccines. So you can imagine what they might be thinking about doing with COVID. Now, let's put this into the context of January, excuse me, January 5th. Why is January 5th significant? Okay, my classroom should be telling me because Georgia has two U.S. Senate runoff elections on January the 5th. If the Republicans in that race in those races lose, that gives the Democrats a a, 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 well, that gives the U.S. Senate a 50 50 split. And guess who casts a tie breaking vote in a U.S. Senate split? Mike Pence. Well, right now it's Mike Pence. Who would it be if Joe Biden gets inaugurated? Oh, my Kamala goodness. Kamala Harris. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped the gun. Oh, Lord, well, help and, us. And I'm not saying that well, that she'll be the next vice president. I'm not going there yet. But oh. look, um, you got to you got to think about these things. And that's yep. why it's important. 
view it, the House will pass a COVID mandate I, if they were given the opportunity. I'm very comfortable with yes, that. Yes, that no will. thinking that way. And I think a, a democratically controlled um, Senate would too. You think now if 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 um, our president remains in office, I don't see him signing it. Now I don't know. There'd be a lot of pretty political pressure to do that. By the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm certain that a President Harris or a President Biden would. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I know I sound, I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm too far out there, but I have no. Listen, if Joe Biden becomes president, I don't believe he serves more than six months. So I think it falls to Harris. And yeah. imagine who she might nominate to be her vice president. And just for those of our listeners who might be newer and maybe even newer Christians <laughs> who are just you know kind of gathering some of this information. You know, in their lives now, paying attention to this, she has, it's hands down, she is the most liberal, and I would parenthetically insert radical, United States senator in history on her policies, on her background, and what she did as an AG in California. And she could well be president. Most of us would agree that Joe Biden probably, definitely not a full year. Um, Six months might be a good time. But, um, you sent me a link also that I just want to point out. There are so many things that I don't know why, Julaine, some of these never Trumpers, some of these people don't want to acknowledge the accomplishments of the Trump administration. But on the issue of life, once again, they're doing the right thing when it comes to freedom of conscience and religion. Trump administration withholds $200 million from California for violating consciences on abortion. Share with us your thoughts on that. Well, I hope you hear it ringing in the background the hallelujah course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we can go on and on and on with the Trump administration's accomplishments on promoting and protecting the sanctity of human life and religious freedom. In this particular issue, the issue is really freedom of conscience and religious beliefs. Because what they have said is, if you are in the medical profession or you are a nurse, you know, a nurse or whatever, and and you are being forced to particip- participate in a um, objectionable activity related to abortions or contraceptions or anything like that. We are not going to give you money. If you are forcing people in your employment, not giving them an option, you're trouncing on their their uh, conscience rights or their religious freedom rights, we are not going to award and reward you with giving you money so you can continue your illegal activity. Yep. Wow. You know, on one level, you think, well, that should just be a no-brainer. It, it has be. not been a no-brainer for decades. No, the Obama administration was suing, what is it, Sisters of the Poor, the nuns, yeah. for, yeah. for uh, wanting to prevent these uh, uh, these abortion drugs. And it's just unbelievable, unbelievable how openly, well, anti-life is the best way to put it, I think. Pro-abortion, anti-life, they are for the destruction of life, family, faith, and religious freedom in They're afraid of terms. us, David. They're afraid of the power of Christianity. Yeah, and they fight, and they, yeah, they've been fighting for a long time because uh, we are a threat. Christians are the last stronghold, the last, I wouldn't even call it a stronghold. We are the last uh, wall between them and full control over the country. They are controlling every major institution from the education system to Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and the big tech, to government, to corporations, all the and sports, all they have is the church, and they have infiltrated to some degree, but the church is the only thing, Christians are the only thing standing between the left and, you know, the freedoms that we have now and the Constitution that we have. Well, but isn't that a glorious thing? We're <laughs> still here. We're still standing. We still have You God are an optimist, on, aren't you? Uh, well, you know what? Um, it's and, and really and truly, I, I have to talk to myself, a lot of self-talk about this. God is in control. Yes. He has not abandoned us. He, we, we dare not abandon hope. He has a plan. Ultimately, he is the victor. This little baby who is, that, whose birth we celebrate right now, we know that story. He's coming back. Amen. And he's not coming back as some wimp. He's coming back as a king of kings and lord of lords in a victorious way, and he will take his rightful place. So it is our incredible privilege to serve him as ambassadors and to be that wall against evil and to be salt and light and to proclaim the truth and to help people understand there is a path that is well lit. Mm. And when you walk on that, it leads to a good place. 
And when you walk mm-hmm. in darkness, you are headed for a major problem in this life and certainly in the next life. Yes. What, what a, how, how cool is it that we're still here? I think, David, I think, <laughs> I'm thinking that God's gathering his remnant. Yes, that's true. Yep. Wouldn't it be cool to be part of that? Hmm. Definitely. And I think the, the, <laughs> the um, COVID crisis this year has, has definitely, I think, separated some sheep from the goats, so to speak. And I think we're seeing that in our culture. We're seeing a separation politically. Um, and we're going to see, we're going to hear more talk about that, uh, cessation and other things. Um, we're going to hear a lot of talk about things because there are some freedom fighters, there are some Christians, there are some patriots, and most people just want to be left alone. Don't touch our Constitution, don't ch- change our way of life radically, and this is what they're trying to do. But um, yeah, so we're going to hear a lot more talk about that. But I always like to say we need to pray, and here's where I, I need to live up to my own advice Sometimes we need to pray for our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for them to come to know the Lord Jesus and be saved. Imagine if these hateful Hollywood celebrities or some in our government, some of the elites, these power elites, they want to control people and they don't seem to care about human lives and the casualties. Um, Imagine if some of them were to be saved, the influence they could have. But so I like to say, pray for God to save them before it's too late and have mercy on their souls. But then I add, but show them no mercy politically because they want a very different culture. They want a godless nation. They want to take down America. They don't like how we were founded and the faith and and the principles we were founded upon. Quick thoughts, Julian. You have just a minute and a half. Well, I agree with you, David. That's that's close to an imprecatory prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You know, where um, they were bringing down the wrath of God on evil people in the in the book of the Psalms. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Certainly we do pray for the salvation of those who are in authority. Um, that's we're told to do that. We're told to pray. For that. Go go to that section of Scripture in the New Testament. That's exactly the reason we're to pray for them, that that we they would come to faith in Christ and that we would be able to live godly and peaceable lives. But they don't get a free pass for doing evil. They right. don't get that. And so, you know, um, we let, we just lost Chief Justice, a uh, former Chief Justice uh, Shirley Abrahamson here from our U.S. our, our state Supreme Court. Mm. I, I said to my pastor on Sunday, I pray that Shirley Abrahamson was able to come to faith in Christ before she took her last breath. Yes. That should be our concern. Yeah. Okay. And then that God will exact, uh, in, in His own way, mer- uh, justice, and that. Evil will be thwarted, mm-hmm. truth will be revealed, and we will a- be able to actually live in a country where we have freedom and peace and are able to p- conduct our lives in godly ways. I encourage people to check out Psalm 37 and Proverbs 1, starting in, I think, around verse 20. The wicked will be no more. They will see their end. They may be prospering now, but uh, boy, the, the king is going to return. When we come back with Jillian Appling, a Democrat introduced a bill to stop biological boys from playing on girls' sports teams, plus January, Sanctity of Human Life Month. We'll get to that in a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and Wisconsin and states across the country are hosting marches. You know, the big one in D.C., that the media hardly ever mentions or reports on. They might say, oh, there's a couple dozen anti-life or anti-abortion protesters, and there's like you know half a million. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I exaggerated slightly, but the point is they do not report on it because they don't want to call attention to such a big, massive movement year after year after year. Was, Jelaine, tell us about what's happening on January 2nd, and January 17th, you've got uh, that date down as well. Yeah, uh, January is known as post, in a post-Roe v. Wade world as Sanctity of Human Life Month. And January 17th, David, is officially um, the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, when many churches across our country will take some time to recognize that God is the author of life, that every human being conceived bears the image of God, and, and to give a special recognition to that truth and to encourage people to stand up for life, you know, at all stages, 
whether it's in utero or whether it's those folks on the other end of the spectrum who are grievously ill, um, that we don't go into assisted suicide and all those kinds of things. So um, we don't inappropriately use the body parts of aborted babies. We don't do we don't produce uh, human embryos just to destroy them for research. That's all part of the pro-life movement, by the way. So mm. uh, that's January 17th. And so usually what happens is there is, an, as you said, the National March in Washington, D.C. And by the way, I'm not sure that you're way off on that half a million mark. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm serious, David. There's a lot of there's a ton of people there. Yep. But this year, especially with all the covid and everything, the the state level or the well, there used to be a and I should say it used to be as in as recently as last year, there was kind of a, there was a huge march for the Midwest down in Chicago. Hmm. And so the people who organized that March for Life Chicago decided this year with COVID and everything that maybe what they should do is try to coordinate a Midwest March for Life and have this um, moving march. And so they've done that. And they've the first stop is here in Wisconsin. Interesting. And that will be, we're, we're working with them through the, our March for Life Wisconsin groups. And that will be on Saturday, January 2nd Great. at one o'clock in Madison. It starts at the Alliant Energy Center, um, not too far from the state capitol. There'll be a drive-in rally there with a number of speakers um, that will be uh, from a, from a religious, it's not a religious group, it's not a religious meeting, but there'll be people representing the, the faith-based groups mm -hmm. as well as other speakers, uh, political and otherwise. And then people will drive up to the state capitol and there they can have, they have two options. They can get out of, they can go park and get out of their cars and walk around the exterior sidewalks of the capitol. And, or they can stay in their cars and drive around the capitol squares a couple of times. And we're also during that time, we're asking people to bring diapers of any size and drop them off. We'll have drop off stations around the capitol square so that we can then take those diapers to the pregnancy care centers all across the state so they can help women take care of those little precious babies that they decide to have. Wow. So again, yeah. it starts at one o'clock, somewhere around two, the rally will move up to the state capitol. Everything will be wrapped up somewhere between 2.30 and three and um, have a diaper drive. You, and we have details on our website and you can also go to Facebook and the March for Life Wisconsin. If you just on Facebook, do a search there for March for Life Wisconsin, all the details will come up as well. Okay, we also wanna call out or just point out um, the co-hosts, Pro-Life Wisconsin, Wisconsin Right to Life, Wisconsin Family Council, Wisconsin Family Action, and the Wisconsin Catholic Conference. So uh, marchforlifechicago.org slash tour. Um, the next subject, Julaine, is one that surprised me because it's Tulsi Gabbard, who um, I guess um, introduced a bill that would ban transgender athletes from women's sports. In other words... She doesn't think it's right to have boys or men competing against girls or women. So your thoughts on that? Because it's a head scratcher. She's going against the Democrat uh, platform in a way and their whole ideology. Well, she has. And it's not the first time that Tulsi Gabbard has taken a position that has made her unpop unpopular in her Democratic ranks. Um, and, you know, she is something of a head scratcher, by the way. But on this one, I, I really think I... I, I understand what she's doing. Now, she's doing this bill in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives in cooperation with a Republican. Why? Why is she doing this? Well, is she? does that mean she's any less liberal than what we think she is? No, she's not. She is a true feminist. True feminists worked really hard to gain equal, quote, equal rights mm -hmm. for women as they see it. Yeah. And one of the last things they want is to lose the distinctive rights that they have gained and are working to protect for women. One of those areas is full participation in the athletic world. So what happens? We now, under this transgender thing, a biological male claims he's a woman and may or may not be having surgeries and hormone treatments and all that. But under the permissiveness of our society today, and I, it's not just permissiveness, you talk about an unreality. <laughs> and, and the, the, the emperor has no clothes on mm. this thing, all right? And, and so they, they say, oh, that's fine. We can have this biological male compete on a high school track team, on a, 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 a professional bicycle team, on a college volleyball team, or whatever it is. And it, it becomes a situation where that transgendered person, who has done 
who has not done the impossible. By the way, they talk about changing gender. It, Folks, listen to us. It is impossible to change your gender, your your sex. It doesn't happen. Yes. Okay? It's a lie. You can change physical but, appearance, but yeah. obviously— Well, and you know what they do? They mutilate the body to do that. Yep, yep. But your DNA so, doesn't change. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, and and so this is not a physiological, biological problem. This is a a, a psychological, spiritual problem. So anyway, you, you get these biological males who take these positions that women would normally be able to take on sports teams. Listen, I, David, you've met me. I'm nearly six feet tall. Okay, um, I played I played a lot of basketball and a lot of sports in my life. My senior year, we won the championship. I played with a 5'11 uh, forward, a 5'10 forward, and two short guards, and I played center at nearly six feet tall, and you can understand, we were good. <laughs> if a guy had come on and said, I'm a girl, and he had been taller and had a better vertical than me, and I had lost my position on that starting basketball team, I would have been furious. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what, that's what what Tulsi Gabbard is going for. Yeah, right and, the, there. and that's what girls are dealing with from different states. I know there's a lawsuit in Connecticut and others, but he she said Title IX is a historic law that positively changed everything for women and girls. And she said a little earlier, obviously, uh, it's a fact. Biological males hold a physical advantage over biological females. And uh, she also said um, it's the height of hypocrisy for those who claim to be advocates for women's rights to deny there's even such a thing as a woman, biologically speaking. So this to us is like, all right, thank you. It's common sense. Why aren't more people on the left willing to support one of these major movements? And that would be women, the feminist movement. They, they ideologically can't go there. Then they have to seed the ground. What, what you just read. <laughs> seed that, the ground. Yeah. Well, what, what you what you just read that, that Representative Gabbard wrote is, is truth. And that truth is a real problem for people with an, with a liberal ideology and yes. a liberal worldview. Yep. To all those who are listening to us, everything we have talked about today, everything comes down to the worldview you have through which you see the world how you perceive it. If you don't have a biblical worldview, David and I would implore you to get into the word of God, to get some good teaching, because the issues demand that we are able to do that. Women are, uh, and that's what that's what Gabbard is saying. There is a biological difference between XX and XY that manifests as male and as female and male. That's just the way it is. And then that though it is undeniable and that but that is a rarity, a real rarity amongst the rank and file Democrats today. They, you know what they're going to accuse her of? Oh, you're anti-science. Yes. Representative Gabbard. No, the other people are anti-science. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. We're going against the megaphone of the media and the liberals, the left owns that. So they own the airwaves pretty much. But I want to move on since you brought up worldview. We only have about four minutes left, Julaine. And one of the concerning studies that came out during last year was uh, Barna. Uh, I believe it's middle of the year sometime. They researched and they concluded that the U.S. is moving toward eliminating the biblical worldview as a cornerstone for society. You just mentioned truth. And just one point from that study, because there's so many things we could spend a half hour, one segment at least, talking about just this. But of all Americans surveyed in general, 58 percent agreed that identifying moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. That's almost 60% of Americans surveyed. This is a problem, and it's the direction of the country. Your thoughts? I'll tell you my thoughts on that, David. You cannot have the vast majority of young people in our public schools from K-4 through 12th grade and often going into our secular college campuses for college and advanced degrees and expect a different outcome. Mm. They are being indoctrinated with a worldview. Now, look, right here in Wisconsin, I don't know about other states, but I suspect other states are similar. Every single year, there is between 85 to 88% of the school-aged children in our state are in our public schools. 
Okay. And I don't care wh- what you're, t- you're talking about. That is just a consistent number. Mm-hmm. All right. So that means a lot of Christians have their kids in public school. Yep. But there's a lot of kids there and they are being taught. It's all about you. It's all about you. If you don't like being a boy, you can be a girl. That's not set in stone. If you don't, if you don't naturally have an, a, 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 an attraction to the opposite sex, that's okay. That's normal. They are being taught this every single day. They are being taught there is no absolute truth. Now, now let's rephrase that. There's absolute truths that get presented in those classrooms, but not our absolute truth, not the truth of Scripture. You know, um, it's just a matter because you and I know that truth is somebody's form of truth is being taught, but they are given this every day on a steady diet. How do you come up with a different outcome? Mm, I know. Uh, And so then you add on, as you have pointed out, the megaphone of the media and Hollywood and all the rest of that. And it's a pile on, pile on, pile on. And and eventually um, on a human plane, the voice of truth, the the liberating gospel Mm. gets gets buried. Yes. So that's how you get to nearly sixty percent saying, "Oh, I get, I get, I get to make up my own truth." You got time for a real quick story? Uh, we actually don't, since we okay. have just a minute. But thank you for that. We really have a lot of work to do in the church. I don't know if we can get back to that biblical worldview, but we've got to fight for it, and we've got to teach the truth, the uncompromising gospel, and the whole counsel of God. Julian, there's a song came out in the 1960s called. We need a little Christmas <laughs> right this very minute. If there was ever a time in this year uh, the crisis fatigue has hit us, we sure do need a little Christmas. I just wanted you to wrap up just uh, with a minute of just your thoughts on encouraging believers to what to focus on and how we can just get through this time. Oh, let's not be Grinches and let's not let this Grinch <laughs> steal our Christmas spirit, Amen. right? Amen. Um, uh, yes, to, to everyone. Uh, first, a very Merry Christmas to my dear friends at Q90. Thank you for your ministry throughout this year and the partnership has just been delightful. And to all our listeners, you know, we wish you the blessings of a truly Merry Christmas. And we can do that. Uh, God has given us great hope. It came in the form of a baby in a manger. And in God, you know, the word became flesh and the rest of that phrase is and dwelt or tabernacled amongst us. Hmm. What a beautiful truth we get to celebrate at this time of the year. Yes, Yes, there there are circumstances and challenges and there's been a lot of sadness and a lot of loss this year. But God is still God and he loves us and his plan for us is perfect and nothing and no one can thwart it. We march on with confidence and hope right now and into a new year that's going to bring more new challenges, but we do so with confidence, not Amen. in ourselves, not in government, but in our God. Praise God. Thank you for sending Jesus and Merry Christmas to you, Julaine. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you, God willing, next year. <laughs> yes, sir. Merry right. Christmas, everybody. Thank you. God bless you. Bye. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week. Then we were uh, going to take some time off For Christmas, obviously, but uh, we'll tell you a little bit more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. We need a little Christmas now. Are we on? Okay. All right. I got that song in my head now. The new Christy Minstrels from 1966, I think. We need a little Christmas. We sure do. Uh, Tomorrow you'll hear from Laura Perry and that documentary In His Image. We are taking Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. No new podcasts. We are going to play Christmas music. That's what you will hear if you tune in. Next week, though, I want to tease our power-packed end of year. Boom, Scott Lively next Monday, Gary Kaw Tuesday, Trevor Loudon Wednesday, and John Haller with a year in review on Thursday. God bless you guys. As always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Have a Merry Christmas.